0: Well, thank you for joining me in Web Church today. I do believe that you're going to be touched and blessed by God's unconditional love, mercy, and grace. I'm always excited to share the message of grace. Doesn't matter how I feel or what I've been going through. When I talk about grace, I experience the power of God. Because that's what grace is all about. It's all about God's power in your life. Hallelujah. So I want you to get yourself ready for just another sunday filled with the message of god's unconditional love and grace in this broadcast of web church i would like to welcome all of you i'd like to welcome all the first time viewers of web church i do believe that you're going to be touched and impacted by what you hear today i just know that many people click onto the website they get into the archives of web church they get into the word well they study the scriptures and I also believe that lots of those people are tuning into web church that are not belonging to a church or that don't have a grace-based church in their area. So if you're one of those people, I would like to welcome you. I want to say what an honor to serve you with a message of grace. The vision of Dynamic Love Ministries is not to see how big we can grow our ministry. Not that I say the ministry will just remain small. All I'm saying is the vision is not to see how big we can grow the ministry. The vision is all about what Jesus has done for us and to see you established in the message of grace, to serve you with the gospel of grace. That's what it's all about. It's all about serving people. So, thank you that you've slotted in that we can serve you today and that we can live the vision that is in our hearts. Now, I would like to just um, read a scripture in Corinthians just to open this up today and uh, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to show you a, a wonderful, inspiring little video about a 5 or 10 minute clip. And then we're going to go right into worship. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now before I read this, I would just like to um, give a little bit of feedback on the website and what's happening We've started to advertise with some news, uh, with a new search engine and man, uh, have we've been blessed. We've, um, we've had about 400 visits yesterday to our website and that is just awesome. So it is really growing. God is really uh, using this website to impact the lives of people. You know, if we get 400 visits average um, per day, you get to about 10,000, 12,000 people a month that, or not people, visits to the website. That will be about, or 5,000 different people, up to 6,000 different people slotting into this. This is really making an impact in the lives of a lot of people. It's equivalent to a church of 5,000 people at least listening to a message once a week. So God is really using this website and I thank God for that. I'm not saying that to glorify myself or anything like that. It's not about me. It's about the message of grace. If this website and everything we do was not about grace, man, it would have just been another website. It could have, man, I could have just sold cars or something on this website. It wouldn't have meant anything. Not that I say somebody that sells cars doesn't mean anything to anybody. What I'm just saying is, uh, in connection with the spreading of the gospel, it needs to be grace. It needs to be the real thing. It needs to be. Um, the message of what Jesus done for us, not what we must do for God. So I just would like to share that with you. It's really, really going well, and the ministry is growing. We're seeing more and more people being touched. Uh, this last week and week and a half, I've been busy um, just doing some alterations on my stage that we've got for open air gospel crusades, and we're planning a crusade in the end of June in Natal. It's in the middle of winter, but Natal is not too uh, hot, not too cold at that time. So it would be possible to do an open air crusade in that area. So we are looking to maybe do this, uh, a big open air crusade. Man, that's just going to be awesome to see people coming to Jesus. Hallelujah. And we're also going to have another crusade before that time in our town. I know it's getting a bit cold. It's becoming winter, but we're going to have one tent crusade In uh, in Malmesbury itself, and I'm really looking forward to that. Hallelujah! So uh, let's read First Corinthians. That was just a little bit of feedback on what's happening in the ministry. Oh yeah, another thing: we are uh, we've got twelve subjects already that we've edited and everything ready to be uploaded onto the website for the five-minute Bible school. So just be a little bit patient. Uh, with that, I know it's going to impact your life. I know it's really, really, really going to be so good. That is, man, that five-minute Bible school is so powerful in the fact that it gives you just the nuggets in five minutes, and then you go and study for yourself in the Word of God with along certain guidelines, and you will hear God speaking to you. Amen. You can go to uh, GodTube.com and just look at one or two of the subjects that we uploaded on GodTube. So, go to GodTube.com, type in uh, Bertie Brits, and then you'll find it, or Dynamic Ministries. And you will find uh, the, the, the clips there. Click on Dynamic Ministries. After you've typed in Bertie Brits in the search block, type in Bertie Brits. Uh, search. Then it will bring up uh, some of the files that I, or some of the clips that I've, upload it then you click on dynamic ministries next to one of the clips and then we'll open up all the files we've uploaded i think we've got about 25 or 30 clips that we've uploaded onto god tube and there you can see the five minute bible school man go and have a look at that respond to us tell us what you think about it it'll be awesome just to hear from you amen now first corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 it says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So what he's saying here that um, through wisdom, he talks about worldly wisdom. Now, worldly wisdom is called the law. Through knowledge of the law, people didn't know God. And that's what's happening so many times in church today and in the lives of believers, not just the faults of pastors, not just the faults of leaders or our mistakes. It's also people that don't understand the the Bible. And we can't say that the leaders leaders or the pastors are 100% responsible for your own personal relationship with God. If you really want to know who God is, you go and pray and say, God, uh, speak to me and God will speak to you. Hallelujah. Now, What happens is, as we are seeking God, in your um, zeal to know God and to seek God, and to get closer to God, you must be careful that you don't try to seek God from a law perspective, because the Bible says here, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. In the wisdom of God, The world by wisdom. In the wisdom of God, what is God's wisdom? God's wisdom is, I give my son, and not through the efforts of man, but through what I do in my son, I will save all people. That's God's wisdom. And in God's wisdom, the world by, the world's wisdom, which is, by what I must do for God in order to get God to manifest in my life, they did not know God. They knew not God. Now isn't that awesome? Now you might say that, I can say that's awesome. It's awesome because it makes it simple for people to be saved. It makes it simple for people to be righteous. It makes it simple for people to walk in the true power of God. Hallelujah. And um, the only thing that we must look out for is that we don't try to seek God by by our own works. You know, the other day I spoke to somebody and he said, you know, I just want to come closer to God. And uh, I, I want to be at the place where God wants me to be. Now I do believe there's a place where God wants you to be, and that's in in Jesus. And if you are in Jesus, you need to study the Bible, know the Word of God from the perspective of in Christ and Christ in you, you in Christ, God in you, you in God, one intertwined, intermingled. You don't know where God starts and where uh, 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 where God stops and where you start or where you stop and where God starts because it's all one, mixed together. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And um, we are His body, He lives in us, that whole thing, just one. Jesus prayed in, in John 17, He says, Father, make us one, that is, me and the church, Jesus and the church, as the Father and Jesus is one. Now, how do you separate the Father and Jesus? It's impossible. That's how you cannot separate somebody who is born of God from God. We became one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ came and He indwelled us. He started to live in us. Hallelujah. And this is the perspective from where we must read the Word. That's the wisdom of God. Now, the world through worldly wisdom, which is knowledge about laws, don't think worldly wisdom is just what the mafia does. No, no. Or just what murderers does. That's worldly wisdom. You know, let's steal and get something. No, no. That's just plain forward sin. Worldly wisdom is what the world think. Is wise in order to have a life of peace and a life of abundance in this in in this life. Just do everything right, and you will be blessed. Do everything right, and then you'll be approved of God. Now that is worldly wisdom. Now the world by wisdom knew not God. So if we can come to a place where we can realize that we should, the more we seek God. Now listen to this: If the, the more you seek God and try to please God by Um, laws, rules and regulations the further you go from God even if you spend more time in the Bible. You know, it is actually devastating to think by spending more time in prayer and in the Bible you can get further from God. That is, if you study the word from a wrong perspective. Now, let me use another example because I can just feel if some people must hear this, they must say, "Wow, this is just too much. Now, listen to this. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to read the Bible. If you was here in the studio, you could just have a look at my Bible and, and how many times I've written in the Bible, how I mark the Bible, how I study the word of God, I study the Greek, the, the Hebrew, the, the man foundation of every scripture. I, I try to do my best to see the depth of the Scriptures, to see the message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace. So I'm not saying, let's not study the Bible. But if you are, um, say for instance, of another faith outside of Christianity, the more you study your faith, the further you go from who God really is. That's actually the way it is. The same with the law. The more you study the law, and the more you try to be justified by the law, the further you are from true righteousness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the Word, we're going to talk about Israel trying to establish their own righteousness and how we walk um, in the place where we ought to be, which is righteousness where we are placed by Jesus. Now, I want to just read this and and, um, leave this with you just before we go into worship. And uh, it talks about faithfulness. Faithfulness. it talks about the faithfulness of God I've mentioned it before It says That in everything You are enriched by him In all utterance And all knowledge Even as The testimony of Christ Was confirmed in you So that you Come behind in no gift Waiting for the coming Of our Lord Jesus Christ Who shall confirm you Unto the end That you may be blameless In the day of our Lord Jesus Christ God is faithful God That's verse 9 the beginning God is faithful To do what? To confirm you Unto the end As blameless Hallelujah. So God is faithful to stay in the message of grace and to continue to look at you through the message of grace or through Jesus and not just through Jesus, um, to see the effect of what Christ has done in your life. Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, this is Paul talking about being judged by people. It says, Let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ, So what Paul was saying there, he says, if people want to think of us or they want to have an account of us, uh, uh, mentally reason about us and who we are, let them them account of us as ministers of Christ. So they weren't ministers of Moses, they weren't ministers of the law, they were ministers of Christ, the anointing, the anointed one and his anointing, Jesus himself, and stewards of the mysteries of God. So they were stewards of the mysteries of God, and this is what the Bible says. Um, the mystery that was once hidden is now revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the whole message about redemption through the cross. Jesus, your representative that obeyed on your behalf, died on your behalf, was resurrected on your behalf, and that is today seated at the right hand of, uh, of God on your behalf, and that will return, and in his return we will receive our glorified immortal bodies. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's, um, let's read a bit on there. It says, Moreover, now listen to this, Moreover, it's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. So what Paul says here is, it's required of him that he will be found faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to Christ and the mysteries of God, which is Christ in us, which is the message of grace, which is the message of Mercy, which is the message of God's unconditional love, which is the message of righteousness by faith and not your works, which is the message of, like Paul said, and you can go and read it in Acts, where he said to people to fall away from the law. And of, of Afrikaans, it's so powerful, it's, it, it literally translates actually to backslide from the law into grace. That's what Paul was teaching according to Acts 21. Paul was teaching backslide from from the law into grace. Amen. Now Paul said it's accounted, uh, It is required obviously That a man be found faithful Now there was Rumors about Paul Going around Especially um, oh, You can read in many other books That he was Starting to preach circumcision again And it was not the truth Now listen to this But with me It's a very small thing That I should be be Judged of you Or of a man's judgment Yes I judge not myself For I know nothing Evil In myself Or what I do by myself Yet I am not Hereby justified but he that judges me is God. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. It doesn't say judgment, it says praise of God. And these things, brethren, have I in figure transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake. So, what he was saying was. He was him and Apollos. They were they came. They preached grace, and they were judged by people. Are oh, they true apostles or not, or whatever? He says, "It's a kind of me to be faithful. I'm not going to compromise on the gospel of grace, so that other, so, so that I might be in a high light in your eyes, because you put high favor on people that preach the law." Amen. I want to say the same thing. It's a small thing for me to be judged of you. I don't even judge myself. Um, let my judgment be of God. Let God decide. If I've been in grace or not. Amen. And I'm not going to try and um, uh, uh, make a compromise between the law and grace. We're only going to preach the grace of God. Amen. Well, after the worship, we're gonna, um, I'm going to speak a little bit about that as well. Compromise and the principle by which Christians live and then righteousness by faith. Amen. Now, we're going to look at a video um, that's about a father that really loved his son, and I think this is a very good picture of Father God, Abba Father, that loved us. He, his son was born completely crippled and not in his right mind, just like a vegetable. Man, nothing good for, for normal people. That's how it looked as well. Just forget about him, put him in an institution, you know, it's over with him, he'll never come right and um, how this father has loved him, and how the love of the father has made a champion out of this son that couldn't do anything by himself. And the greater the love of the father was manifested towards the son, and the more the son allowed the love, and this is how I see this, and I believe you also see this, the more the son allowed the father to love him and to to live his vision, um, the greater the father also became in the eyes of the people in the world. So just look at this and let this touch your heart. You know, open your heart and after that be going directly into worship because I believe this is such a touching video that after that, you know, I don't even want to say anything. Let's just go straight into worship and then I'm just going to share more of the Word of God. Just enjoy this. Man, wasn't that just so, so awesome? Just to see the picture of a normal earthly father loving his son in a godly way. Now I want to just tell you this. The Bible says if we who are evil, Know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will God not not give us the Holy Spirit? Man, that is awesome. To think what a great gift the Holy Spirit would be if an earthly father, like the man you've just seen, could do what he's done for his son, which is godly. That's what touches your heart. For it is the attitude of the father living in a human being towards his son. But let me tell you something, the sacrifice that Father made can never, ever, once, even close be, close to be compared with what Jesus has done for you. Hallelujah. That's why I like that song that says, I can only imagine. Because when we see the love of God, I mean, as I study the message of grace, I know the concept and I understand um, what Jesus done. But as I read it, I just see more and more of the very same thing in a deeper way. And the one day I spoke to somebody on Web Church, um and he said it this way, he says, it's like a spiral. You go around the same point and as you go around the very same point, you get closer and closer to that same point. Isn't that awesome? Stephen L. said that from um, New Zealand. And that is just so, so awesome. It's the truth of God that think that as we reason around the grace of God, around the love of God, we just see more and more of, of the very same thing in a closer way. Hallelujah. So I want to just say this. As we see that love of God in the Scriptures, it is so great that we can never compare it to human love. And look at the great love that Father gave to His Son. It is like the love of God. But we can only imagine how great His love is. And as we imagine, as we start to think, and imagine, I don't want it, to, maybe it's got a little bit of a, a negative uh, connectivity to it, but don't be negative when we use the word imagine thinking, we're thinking up things. Just start to think, how great must the love of God really be? How great, what type of emotion is in the heart of God when He thinks about you and me? What type of a person must he be to be willing to do what he's done for you and me? And that's awesome. To me, that's who God is. To me, that is true relationship. That is seeking God. That is not seeking yourself, seeking your effort, seeking your own faithfulness and all of that like we have just shared before the worship. It's not about my faithfulness. It's about his faithfulness to the cross and my faithfulness in how faithful he is towards me. Amen. That is what it's all about. It's about Jesus. It's not about us, I mean, about what we must do for God. It's about what He's done for us. And that the greater you can make the love of God, the greater you will um, portray God in this world. And the greater God He will be. Uh, not that He can grow or become a greater God. The greater God He will be in the eyes of people. Let me explain it this way. If that, that son said, well, Father, you're not going to push my wheelchair. I'm too heavy and I'll try by myself and just encourage me. I'm going to try to do it. Just keep on encouraging me. I'm going to try and walk. You know what? That child is never going to walk. And that's just the way it is. He's never going to talk like a normal person. Never. And it, 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 as you might say, but what about miracles? Unless God supernaturally comes and and something happens, and as speaking as an old person, he's never going to come right in a human sense. He's never going to come right. And if that son says, I'm going to try, you know what he's going to do? If he could have run that own thing, the glory would have been to him and not to the Father. But now the Father receives glory because he could carry the son. He could push the son in the, in, in the wheelchair. He could put him in the boat and pull him over. Over the, um, that mile or five miles Or whatever they swim In the Ironman competition You know He could do that uh, For the son And as he did that for the son The son also competed in uh, triathlons In the Ironman competition Like the footage you saw there And um, he also wrote in Competed, finished the whole thing uh, And he also I'm sure he got a medal Everything But the glory went to the father so, allow God to carry you. Allow, and what I talk about that is, don't resist the message of grace. Don't resist the message of unconditional love by saying, yes, but this and yes, but that. You are only taking away glory from God. Like, that's, the way, that's why I am so strict when it comes to uh, finances, for instance. I would say, no ways. I'm not going to take away glory from God. Let God also carry me financially. By saying, I'm not going to say, by my tithes I prosper. I'll give. I'm a giver. But I'm not going to say, by that financial prosperity came. I'm going to say, He carried my poverty even on the cross. And in His His resurrection, I've been made rich. Amen. Isn't that... The awesome gospel of Jesus. That is the gospel. That's what we are studying in Web Church. That is what Dynamic Love Ministries is all about. That is what dynamicministries.com is all about. Just getting people to know and understand this unconditional love and grace. Man, it's awesome. As I talk about it, I just feel the presence of the Lord. Now, we want to just pick it up where we left it off last Sunday. Let's open in um, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 and we're going to read verse 5. It says there, But to him that worketh not, but believes on him, that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. To him that worketh not, but believes on him, that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, let me explain to you justification of the ungodly in the picture that you have just seen that video about decoyed. This is what it is. This man came, he took his son, wrote him in, in the Ironman competition, did that whole thing um, with his son, and he finished the race. Now, it would not be right if the son does not get a medal. The son applied he was written into the competition and he finished the race. Isn't that awesome? So, he also got a medal and that is justification. Now, that is, with, that is righteousness. When he finished the race, he stood righteous, in other words, right in the right way before everybody so that he could also receive a medal because his father carried him. Amen. Now, Justification is that he now receives the medal because it wouldn't be just if he doesn't receive it. He must receive it, amen. Because they agreed to the rules, he, they can write him in. The father's going to carry him. He's going to take him through. He's going to do it on his behalf. He he ran on his behalf. He swam on his behalf. He cycled on his behalf. He did everything on his behalf. And now, once he has completed it, he's crossed the finish. Finishing line Everybody applaud Now it's time for the medal Hallelujah That's called justification That is When that which is just And due Is paid and given Hallelujah Now It says here To him that worketh not In other words To him that doesn't try to run the race To him that doesn't want to swim over the ocean To him that doesn't try to cycle To him Okay, But him that believes on him, that will carry him. And by what the the person who carries him has done, he will bring unto him the medal. That faith is counted for righteousness. So if you can say, I believe in a God that can take an ungodly person and bless him because of what Jesus has done, and in what Jesus has done, blessing has come to everybody, even the ungodly. If you can believe that, your faith is counted as righteousness. In other words, you are as holy as somebody that has obeyed the whole law, and that stands as righteous before God as what Jesus stands today. Amen. Now that's a mouthful. You need to go and just have a, uh, a look at, at last Sunday's message. It's going to bless you just about the difference between righteousness and justification. So what we say is, To him that works not, but believes in him that justifies, in other words, that makes him righteous to the point that he receives the reward due, or the payment due, Okay, uh, um, the, to him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counter to righteousness but to him that believes on him that justifies the ungodly. So, you must believe on a God that justifies the ungodly, that believes on him that justifies the ungodly. Now, um, if you read that, it speaks of the character of God. God justifies the ungodly. You know, you might say, you've said that now five times, I'm not deaf. But let me tell you something. The more I say it, the more I hear it, the more it blesses me, and it's sinking into my mind. You must realize sometimes many times when I preach, it's that's the way I do my Bible study as well. You know, to me, that's how I do my Bibles. I read it again, and I read it again, and I read it again. So together today, we are studying the Word, and I'm sharing the Word, and I want this to get deep into your heart. And this is how God speaks to me. So listen to this again. Let this sink into your heart. But to Him that worketh not, think of the boy in the boat, okay, in the wheelchair, spastic, can't do anything, can't even talk, now, concerning a marathon, good for nothing, okay, but unto him that worketh not, but believes on him, that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also described, the blessedness, of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. You know, um, in certain circles today, the message of grace and righteousness by faith became a curse. Oh, you know, curse be that doctrine that just by right, we righteous only by faith and faith only and, and not by our works. And we must be very careful for that because that's not the true gospel. It's not, listen to this. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 6. It says, even as David also described the blessedness, Of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. The blessedness, the the well-spokenness of. Hallelujah. The blessing that God comes and He imputes righteousness without works. And this is what He said, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Come this blessedness upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? No, in circumcision, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of faith. So, listen, this is just Paul's, Paul's argument towards people that say we are righteous by what we do. He says, listen, what we do is only a seal of who we are. So, don't become by what you do. Do by what you become. I want to say it again. Don't become by what you do. You can't become by what you do. You do by what you became. So good works, righteous works, even the circumcision here was not an outflow. Of or it, it was simply sorry. It was simply an outflow of righteousness. Now, so many times we can take the law and say, oh, you know, uh, if you're righteous, then you're supposed to do these and these and these things. Now, we can take the same argument towards circumcision. We can say, you know, here the Bible says that if you are really righteous, the sign of your righteousness is circumcision, so everybody must be circumcised. That is not the truth. Because when the circumcision was given, it was uh, uh, under the law. It became a law. With Abraham, it was a fruit of faith, but then it became a law to the point where Paul preached and says we don't need to be circumcised. But the Jews still believed they had to be circumcised. Remember this, just something about the law. The law was never given to the Gentiles. <coughs> now, you might say, what is Gentiles? Gentiles is non-Jews. If you're not part of the 12 tribes of Israel, you are not an Israelite, and you were seen as a Gentile. That's what you are. A Gentile in the eyes of the Jews. Now today there's no more Jew, Greek, Gentile or anything. But everything is just in Christ. We are seen in Christ. So, in other words, you are either in Christ or are not in Christ. That's what you are. You are part of the body of Christ or you are not part of the body of Christ. So, <clears throat> um, we must realize that the law was not even given to the Gentiles. It was given to Israel, fulfilled and taken away before the first Gentile ever got saved. So why are we under do, don't touch this, don't do this, don't all of those things? That does not make you righteous. Now, good works, and when I talk about good works, I talk about an outflow of love, mercy and compassion and truth is spoken and live by the people that are um, holy and righteous as God is. That's the way it is. Good works is not, th- does not precede righteousness, but good works is a fruit of righteousness that is imputed unto us. Amen. Well, that is so powerful, I don't think I can say it any more plain than this. And I want to just say something else here. Um, we must realize this, that... If we are in the love of God, the Bible says speak the truth in love. What it says is don't be harsh, don't be rude, don't be negative towards people. But if somebody comes and he tries to manipulate, say he tries to manipulate me or he tries to manipulate you, don't let him do that. Just speak the truth in love. Say, my brother, I don't condemn you for what you do, but I can see you try to manipulate me. You know, or let him know. You can put those words or ask God to give you the right words. But we don't have to be scared. We can say to somebody, listen man, I think this is, this, this is what you are doing. Now, I'm not judging you for what you are doing. But that is the fruit of your unbelief. So let me explain the gospel of grace. So that you can get out of the situation. Amen. So, uh, And that might sometimes feel harsh. And the Bible says, no rebuke is pleasurable. If, if I come to you and I say to you, my brother, you have not believed grace. You are in the law, a death, a, a message of death and you've even been sharing that with other people. Do you think that's going to be nice? Do you think for one moment that's going to really um, uh, uh, bring joy and peace to you? Never. It's not going to bring joy and peace. To you. It, it might make you angry. It might say, but I don't want to hear this for I don't want to be wrong for my, my, my heart is pure and I want to just Be pleasing to God, and I want to do things right, and I want to believe the right gospel of grace. I don't want to be condemning, I don't want to judge people, I don't want to hurt people. It's like with me, if somebody comes and says, You know what you said, there hurt me, man, I'm really hurt. I feel sorry in my heart, and I feel, man, I I wish I've said in a different way, for I don't want to hurt anybody. And they can come with good advice and say, but listen, this is the way it's going to work. And it's not supposed to, to uh uh, uh bad, you're not supposed to speak this way or do it this way. And then I would say yes. But that rebuke is not nice. Now, remember, when God rebukes, it doesn't rebuke us by giving us cancer. He rebukes us by correcting us through the word of God. That's how He corrects us. Amen. Now, let's get into the Bible again, into the Word. I don't want to get too far off the message there. We're talking about righteousness by faith. Now, let's go to Luke 18, verse 9. <clears throat> Last Sunday, I just rushed through this, and I don't want to rush through it. Now, listen to this. And Jesus spoke a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So this is a parable towards people that think they are righteous in themselves. Righteous in what they do. I'm righteous because I've tithed. I'm righteous because I've prayed. I'm righteous because I've fasted. Now this is what he says. It says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one, a Pharisee, and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not as the other man as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week, I give tithes and uh, tithes of all I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes, even unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted." So what does the Bible talk about exalting yourself? Exalting yourself is when you stand before God and you mention the good things you've done in order to be blessed by God. That's exalting yourself. You will be abased. That's what the Bible says. Um, it It is pride. Pride is saying, My God, I have paid my tithes, therefore you can bless me now. That is called pride, according to the Bible. Saying, I fast twice a week, and I give of everything I have, and I pray, and I I do. Father, thank you that I am not like those people, but that I can know the law, and that I can do right. That is exalting yourself according to the Word of God. That is not humbling yourself. Now, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. Now, what is a humble person? A humble person is somebody that believes in a God that justifies The ungodly That he says I cannot be justified by myself I'm humble enough to say I cannot qualify by my works I'm humble enough to say That maybe I have believed this message Out of the Bible uh, 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 Of what I must do In order to be blessed And I've read scriptures about it And all of that um, But I realize today That by my own works I cannot do it And I cannot qualify I cannot enter into the depth That I want to enter in With God and, And I am just not qualified You know, So, I want you to know that you will never be qualified by your works. You will never be qualified by what you do for God. Never, never, never. And the more you say, but at least I've done this, or at least I've done that. But God, you know, I've had a pure heart, you know. Forget about your pure heart. Think about His pure heart. Amen. But God, the motive was so pure. Forget about your motive. Think of His motive. But God, I'm a churchgoer. Don't be so full of pride. Humble yourself. Because if you say, But God, I'm a churchgoer. What do you think about the guy that doesn't go to church? You think you're better than him. That's, that's all. But God, you know, I'm a, I'm a this type of person. Or I'm a that type of person. Yes, if you say that, then you say, Because I am like this, then I qualify. And then you, in the same breath, also despise others. Saying, well, if he doesn't do the same, he's less than me. That's the whole thing about the gospel. You cannot have somebody on a pedestal. Everybody's on the same level. You're not going to have some preacher saying, well, I'm now better than that man because look at the miracles that is in my life. Repent, you pri- you think, full of pride. You're full of pride. Repent of that. Humble yourself. Say, without His grace... I'm nothing. Without His mercy, I'm nothing. But for the grace of God, because of the grace of God, that's why I am who I am. Paul says, because of the grace of God, I am who I am. And I do what I do because of God's grace. Other people are toiled and labored by the law, but I by grace, Paul says. And I believe that I've done better because of grace. So he was humble. We can be full of, um, or it can look as if we can be full of arrogance. Because we are boasting in the cross, saying, man, look at me, I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. But I want to just say one thing. It was because of Jesus. It was not because of what I've done. It was not because of what I've been, been doing for God. It was only because of Him. Now, that might sound very arrogant, but it's boasting in the Lord, and in God's eyes, it's not arrogance at all. It is true humility. Yes, this man, he came, and he believed in the God that justified the ungodly. I'm talking about the sinner man. He believed in the God justified the ungodly and what he said there was, um, he simply said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He didn't say, well, I've come and I've repented now of all my sins and I've, I've done all of this and all of that right and Father, now because I've repented, now you're going to do a miracle for me and, and I, I lay aside all the things of the past and all that. Thank you, my God, I'm pushing through. You're doing a miracle for me. Oh, my God, thank you, my Jesus, you're going to do That's not what he was doing. All he said was, I believe in the God that justifies the ungodly. And he didn't use those words. He just says, he couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. He said, by my own works, I cannot even lift my eyes to heaven. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Amen. That's what he said. And what does the Bible say? Let's read it. I tell you this is the words of Jesus in red. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the one than the other, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Now what is true humility? True humility is agreeing with what Jesus has done. That brings justification. That's what it says here. He will go away rather justified and brings righteousness. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they which mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek or the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercies. Now, what does he say here? Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit is those who don't say, By what I do, I qualify. Because the Pharisee was not poor in spirit, he was rich in spirit. Lord, look at who I am. Thank you, and he even thanked God for that man. You know, religion looks so right, but it's so wrong. He came, thank you, God, that I am not like that man. And then he said, why he saw himself better. For I tithe. For I do this. For I have done that. And in the eyes of God, he said, you are self-righteous, and you will be abased. You will be humbled. And the other one came. He didn't say anything. You know what that man should have said? He should thank you, God, for, uh, thank you, God, that we are the same and that you have given me this revelation that me and this other guy, we are the same. and that I've got this revelation that you've given to me by grace. Just because you are good, And I thank you, my God, that you are revealing it and you've revealed it to this man. And that's why he he is here today as well to come and say that you are such a good God that you also will have mercy on his sin. Because there might have been many years when that sinner was full of pride and said, well, I don't have to go to the temple and pray. I'm okay. That's pride. But when he went and said, there's a God that can have mercy on me, a sinner, and treat me better than what I deserve, That man was contributing to who God was. He was giving glory to God. For you to say today, Jesus saves sinners. He makes sinners righteous. He justifies the ungodly by saying that you are giving glory to God. Hallelujah. You are poor in spirit. If you say that that I mourn under the law. I don't want to be under the law. This law doesn't bring life to me. Blessed are the meek. Who, who's the meek? It's those that say, not by what I do, but, why, but, why, but by what Jesus has done. Matthew 15, 22. I want to read that. This is going to bless you. Matthew 15, <clears throat> verse 22. Then Jesus went hence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Listen to this. But he answered her, not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cries after us. <clears throat> and he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, she was calling, she was calling, she was calling. And when the law wanted to reject it to the point that she couldn't be helped, Jesus came in and, and he said certain things that could help her and get that faith out of her. He said, I have not come to be sent, uh, I have not. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. So he said, Salvation is first of all Jew. You're a dog, it's not for you. Now listen to this, and the greatness of her faith. Amen. She knows that she does not qualify. Now this is what she says. She says, And she said, Truth, Lord, I agree with you. This is truth. Yes, I don't qualify. I am but a dog. The food belongs to the children. But listen to this. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to O woman, great is your faith. <clears throat> In other words, Great is your belief in a God that justifies the ungodly. Be it unto thee even as you will. Be now justified. (laughs) Hallelujah. You have believed, righteousness came, now you are justified and you receive your miracle. Amen. And that is what God gives us. And that's the whole explanation of um, Romans 4 verses 5. Justification of the ungodly. This woman did not qualify. She did not qualify. Let's go to Matthew 8 verses 5. Matthew 8 verses 5. You might say, badly, but you sit here with the notes. You're just preaching off your notes. Oh yes, if I don't do this, we will just stick on that one scripture all the time and you will again say that I'm repeating myself. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to put them away very soon. Then I'm going to repeat again. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. It says in Matthew 8, verses uh, 5, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him. Now, a centurion was a Roman, uh, uh, a Roman soldier over a hundred. You, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, it could also be in the Jewish, uh, in the Jewish part, but when I studied out, the, the commentaries and the concordance that I studied out says it's Ro- a Roman soldier over a hundred. Okay, now listen to, to this. Jesus was coming to Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies down sick at the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. So here he already qualifies for healing. Listen, the, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. I don't qualify that you Can bring healing to me. You don't have to come to me. I don't qualify. So by your goodness only. So he was. He already had enough faith for for the for the servant to be. Jesus, I will come. Then he said, Lord, I don't qualify, but I know that you are so good and that you've got so much power in your words that your words is greater than if I qualify or not. And by your word things will happen. He says, I'm a man under authority and I've got people under me. So I know how it works. I know that if I want to bless somebody, then it can happen. I know that I don't qualify for, for you to come there, but if you, you are so good, just speak the word. It's going to happen. So he believes in a God that justifies people that are not worthy. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I have not found such great faith, not even in the whole of Israel. And that's the truth, for they all believe by what they do, they are qualified. That's why Jesus said that I could not find such a great faith even in all of Israel, because great faith is not in believing that you qualify by what you do, but great faith is believing that God blesses the unqualified. That is great faith. Great faith is believing that God justifies, that means makes righteous and blesses according to it those who are ungodly. Amen. I tell you after this sessions of righteousness you're going to understand this. Bless God. Amen. You must just get into five minute Bible school. When this is uploaded please man get into this and you will be so blessed. If you go and study the things out that we ask you to study out, you will get a revelation straight from the mouth of God. You'll be able to get revelation and share it with us and we'll be able to take that and share it with people all over the world because God is definitely going to say things to you from a perspective that we don't even see it or understand it. And we will learn together about this message of grace. Amen. Go and do that. Yeah. I'm not going to be full of pride and say, oh, you know, I'm the man of God with the only revelation Nonsense. You know, the biggest problem that we get these days is people that are so into works righteousness and now they say, well, I'm qualified because I've got this revelation. What do you have that you have not received? This revelation we've received. Oh, but I've got this revelation. You know, great faith and small faith. Abati has got this revelation. You know what? God revealed this to him. I just read what God revealed to Jesus thousands of years ago. It was written down by Matthew. It was so simple to understand. But as the law fell off my mind and got out of my my, my way of thinking, my eyes were open, I could see how plain it was actually written down and not even hidden. That's it. Hallelujah. I want to say this, web church members, Now, man, I want to say this as a, a leader, as a pastor that cares for you. Please, man, don't get to a place where you find your identity in how much you know about any revelation, be it the revelation of grace. My identity is not in how much I know. My identity is in the knowledge of God that is revealed. In other words, the identity is in what God has done, not in how much I know about what God has done. Well, you know, he's a real, real man of God. He knows, he can quote the Bible, he can do this, he can do... I, I, You know, I've had people, and I say this in the light of myself, i had people come to me and say, Bertie, man, you don't have to read the Bible, you just quote the thing. Now, in my eyes, If I look with normal human eyes, there's so many pages and pages. Then there's a thousand five hundred pages that I can't quote. But I know a scripture here and there and I quote it. And to somebody that might know a little bit less, I look like a hero. But actually, if if it's according to my works, I thank God that the Bible was written down. Otherwise, I would have forgotten most of the stuff. Let us turn to Romans chapter 10. And I want to read from verse 1, and then we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6, and I'm going to speak a little bit about the principle in the life of Paul and, um, and in the life of a Christian, the principle that we're supposed to live by. Romans chapter 10, from verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire is for. Uh, my heart's desi- excuse me. Brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And there we can clearly see what true submission is again. submission, True submission, true humbleness, is to be submitted to God by agreeing with what Jesus Christ has done for you. By saying, not by my works, not by my own righteousness. Now listen to this, and this is very, very important. Because when you study the Bible, you can also... There are words like knowledge, righteousness, judgment, condemnation, all those things. It's got certain meanings, and when we read it, we should see it in the same light. Now when it talks about knowledge here, and the knowledge that does not produce... Righteousness. It talks about the law And it talks about, about works righteousness Listen to this For I bear them record This is now Israel and the Jews And the law, law people It says I bear them record That they have a zeal They have a zeal of God They have a zeal of God But the zeal of God that they have Is a zeal for the law But their zeal is not according to knowledge In other words What, uh, what type of zeal do they have? Why is their zeal not according to knowledge? Although, they've got a lot of knowledge about Scriptures. Their knowledge was in the law. But knowledge about the law and knowledge about what you must do for God means nothing to God. It simply means nothing. We're going to see that in Galatians 6. It means nothing to God. About how can knowledge about Scriptures doesn't mean anything to God? That's what it says. It says they had a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. Why? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about establishing their own righteousness through knowledge of scriptures and of laws and of rules and regulations. And through that knowledge they thought that they would attain unto the righteousness of God but God said they know nothing. For when you know something in the eyes of God is when you know that you are not justified by what you do. You are not justified by your works. You are not justified by how much you pray. You are not justified by if you tithe. You are not justified by if you, if, if you fast twice a week. You are not justified if you walk right, talk right, live holy. You are not justified or made righteous by that. And the more you know about... And this, is, this sounds contradictory, but I want you to know this. The more you know about how you must live in order to be righteous before God through how you live, the less you know. That's it. The less knowledge you have. For you go about establishing your own righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does these things shall live by them. So you will only live by the law if you can do the law. And then you must do the whole law. Remember, the Bible says, if you don't obey one of the commands of the law, you are guilty before the whole law. Now, what does it mean to be guilty before the whole law? It means as good as somebody that has transgressed Every commandment there is It means He's murdered He's slept around He's cursed God he's, um, He doesn't believe in God He serves false gods He desires stuff All of the laws you can think of The whole ten commandments And all the other commandments there is You have broken every little one of them It's as good as what you are guilty In everyone if you break one Because you've sinned against the law And you are guilty before the law That's it You don't qualify And if you don't qualify, uh, the wages of sin is death. That's it. As easy as that. To be cursed. To be separated from life. To die. You are guilty before the whole law. Now listen. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. Say not in your heart. Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring the Christ down. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring the Christ from the dead. But it says that the word is close to me, even in my mouth and in my heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you shall believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hallelujah, for He was raised for our justification, the Bible says. He was delivered for our transgressions. If you can't believe that, you are saved. You are not saved by saying, I'll go into the heaven to bring the Christ down. Or I will humble myself to the point that I can see the new man standing up. Humbling, not talking about agreeing with righteousness, but humbling, talking about or, or, or laying down your life. So you can say, I lay down my life so that I can be saved. You cannot lay down your life to be saved. Jesus laid His life down so that you can be saved. Amen. That's how your life is, is received. We receive righteousness by faith. And I just want to read this again. It's so powerful. It says that His prayer is for Israel, they might be saved. For I bear them that They have a zeal of God, but not, a, not according to knowledge. The amount of zeal you have does not determine your righteousness. And I know I've said it before and I want to say it again. What you do for God is not what makes you righteous. In other words, what you do for God is not what gives you equity of character or holiness of character. It doesn't. Holy deeds doesn't make you holy. You can take feathers and you can stick it onto a dog. It doesn't make that dog a bird. As simple as that. So it doesn't the help you go and put a feather in your cap, the feather of of well I've done this and well I've done that and well I've done this and all of that and then you think you're gonna fly. You're gonna man, you're gonna fly like a stone. It's not gonna work for you. It doesn't turn you into a bird. Good works doesn't make anybody righteous. Good works doesn't make anybody holy. Good works means or when I talk about good works I'm actually talking about dead works if you talk about doctrinally if I speak correct, dead works, works that says, if I do this, then I'm blessed of God. If I do this, then I'm righteous before God and all that. Those types of works, works that says, by what I do, I become righteous. Those types of works are all good. They, they're not bad works. It's stuff like, you must pray, you must fast, you must tithe, you must go to church, you must do this, you must do that. And you must not swear. You must be kind to people. You must... All those rules... Let me tell you something. You know what it means to God if you've obeyed all of them? Nothing. It means nothing to God. It might mean something to somebody, but it doesn't mean anything to God. Pertaining to your righteousness before God, it's as good as what you've done nothing. Man, if you've done all those things or if you've sinned, it means the same before God. Now you might say, that's quite radical. Well, I'm going to read a scripture about that the next scripture we're going to look at is Galatians chapter 6, but let's just go through this again. There's some stuff I want to just repeat here. <coughs> you might say, but actually, why are you repeating, repeating? Repeating is a very good thing. You know, the Bible says, it's ben- beneficial for me to repeat the thing. That word beneficial also means, and, and this is what, what somebody said to me, I haven't checked it out myself. It says it's a safety net. So, it's like in the, in, in the circus, you get these people that, that, that do these tricks on the height. Tight rope and all of that and they've got a safety net underneath for if they fall and they fall into the net and they don't fall themselves to death. So repeating your safety net because it gets your mind into thinking of the grace of God, thinking of the love of God until you start to believe it to the point where you start to see fruit in your life. Amen. Now let's read it again. For being ignorant of God's righteousness through what? through knowledge of the law, which is not knowledge in the eyes of God. <clears throat> you know, Kenneth Copeland said it this way, he says, you can be educated above your intellect. That's the way it is. You can have a lot of knowledge, but not be intellectual. According to God, the more you know about what you do, it doesn't mean you're intellectual intellectual means is what you know and wisdom to God is Jesus and what He's done and what you believe about Jesus and how you can see your life fulfilled in Christ and what Christ has done for you. That is true knowledge. That's true intellect. That's true wisdom. That is the true knowledge of God. But if you say, well, I know five steps to this and, th- to this and three steps to that and this is how we're going to get the anointing to come down. This is how we're going to get all these... Uh, um, The types of anointings Trying to draw from this man And draw from that man All the ways you think You're going to be anointed Let me tell you something In the eyes of God You know nothing Now that that sounds harsh But I've said it before A rebuke sometimes Is not nice It's just the way it is But His word cleanses us From the law And all the death doctrine That is within our hearts And we can start start to believe That God is a good God God's a God of mercy God's a God of grace And God's a God that cares for us the moment we start to see those things, we start to get so much joy in our hearts, so much life in our heart, and we get set free and we can walk in the life of victory that Jesus has given us. Amen. Now, let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. Now, this is now really going to bless you. Galatians chapter 6. I want to just say it again, I've, I know I've said it before, I want to say it again, man, but as soon as what, this five minute Bible study comes onto the website, go and check it out, we're waiting for a programmer to come and help us, in the meantime, you can just go onto godtube.com, type in Bertie Brits, like I said, get into the, onto the, those five minute studies, now, this is not enrolled, it's just, I've just put those four or five on there, just to get People to want to enroll into this. We're not going to upload more onto GodTube. It will, it will be on our website. But go and listen to that. It's going to bless you. Amen. Remember, on the website, we will have further studies, documentation, scriptures you can study, correspondence, all of that um, with you. And we will see you establishing the grace of God by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Right. Ephesians six. Um, Is now sorry. Galatians. Galatians chapter six. I, did I say? Ephesians, I mean Galatians, Galatians chapter 6 And um, let's read from verse 13 For neither, let's go to verse 11 You see how large letters I've written unto you with my own hands As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh They constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Now listen, what Paul was saying here is, the moment you come to a place where you say you don't need to do things in order to be righteous, you're going to suffer persecution. That's it. So I want you to, to, to look, to look into, the, into your own life. I, I, if you are persecuting somebody because he's saying you don't need to do these things, only believe on Jesus Christ. And you persecuting him for that, maybe you in the same um, boat as the Pharisees can be. It says, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they, contain you to, uh, uh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. So, they only said, Listen, you must be circumcised, because if you're not circumcised, then they're going to be persecuted, for they are saying, Why aren't you seeing that these people are circumcised? And they're preaching circumcision because circumcision was the thing in the law that you had to do. You must remember, um, I almost want to say above uh, you're not supposed to lust and you're not supposed to desire and all those type of things in the law was the law that says you must be circumcised. That happened just after birth in the life of an Israelite. He was circumcised just after birth on the eighth day. It was a law that had to be done Abraham was almost killed by it because he didn't do it. So that was the law of all laws, was you must be circumcised. Otherwise, you're not part of the covenant of God. That's what they believed. So, um, you, if you weren't circumcised, you weren't seen as a true Israelite. You weren't part of the covenant of God. You weren't blessed. None of those things. You had to be circumcised. That's what they believed with all their heart. Now here was people, and and the gospel that Paul was preaching was, listen man, you don't have to be circumcised. He was preaching to Jews, saying to them, you don't have to be circumcised. Man, it's almost like saying to people, you don't have to go to church. It's almost like saying to people, you don't have to pray to be righteous. It's almost like saying to people you never have to go to church once in order to be righteous or you never have to pray once in order to be righteous. It is something that just boggles your mind that is like I said before like Prophet T.B. Joshua said it's too lofty for a carnal mind. If you've got a law-based mind it's too high for you. You cannot understand it. This is stuff where you start to believe. Amen. Because of an understanding of the cross. Right. Now what he says here (coughs) about the circumcision, is that that law, you want to only implement it so that you can make a fair show in the flesh, in other words, that by your works you look good to certain people. And Peter found the same thing, and uh, uh, Paul rebuked him. Okay, now, for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. So what they're saying here is, it says, listen, these people only want you to obey laws so that they can look good because they've got people that follow them now. And it's written down, we're going to see that now. It says, but they don't keep the law themselves. So what, what he was saying is if you want to be circumcised, if you want to keep the first law, you must keep all the law. And then he says they don't even keep the law, but they desire to have You circumcise that they may glory in your flesh and in what you've done. The message is that they may glory in having disciples and seeing that we've got more people to do what we tell them to do. We've got people to do good. That's what he's actually saying. What he was saying is, listen, these guys, they think this is a good thing to do. Let's keep a little bit with the works thing. And then they want to get you into works so they will not be persecuted as grace people. I'm just putting it in today's terms. They will not be persecuted as grace people and that they can say, look how many disciples we've made. At least we've done something good. People's lives has changed. (coughs) They were not circumcised. At least now they are circumcised. They were heathens. Now they're at least obeying rules and regulations. And so they're making disciples and getting groups of people that are walking after that. And that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not the truth of the gospel of God. That's death, man. And we... I I don't want to mention stuff now, but there's so many stuff that I can mention today and maybe you're a first time visitor. And just for your conscience sake, I don't want to say this, that you will be so upset you will just switch this off because it might be just too much. But God has come to set you free. And if it's not true freedom, it's not freedom at all. It's either the real thing or nothing. One thing I've realized about grace, you, you either understand it or you don't. There's no in-between. You know, I was always saying and I, and I realized I was just soothing my mind because I, I didn't want to face the truth or the facts about the lives of certain people, and this is, and it's good friends of mine as well. It is, man, they don't understand grace. Then I will go to another friend and say, no, man, but he's, he's halfway there. He's really getting onto it. He's really. The people who's understanding grace today that I know got it in a day. Like this. They got the basics of the thing. And then there might have been areas in their lives where they were still. Um, <coughs> thinking, law thoughts, but the moment they came, those things changed so rapidly. It was just like this. And you can see in the face of somebody, you can see in the talk of somebody, when he understands the goodness and the love of God. Hallelujah. Like I spoke to a very good friend of mine, he said to me, you know, years ago I came to your house and say that you've made a decision just to preach on the love of God. And he thought, well, you know, why do I want to do that now? just preach on the love of God. Now, you know, and and we talked about, at that time, he didn't understand the love of God. But now, he would say, um, please don't preach on anything else. Just preach on the love of God for the same life is in him now. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just read this, man. I'm just getting a little bit off the point there, but this is so awesome. Um, let's read on. It says, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in what you've done, in the good thing you've done. But God forbid that I shoot glory saving the cross of Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. So if, if He wants to glory, like I've explained, true glory is glorying in the cross. For in Christ, listen to this, this scripture is mind-blowing, it is heart-touching, ever-changing, uh, uh, ever-changing in the sense of it will ever, forever change people's way of thinking about God. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. So, when you are in Christ, this thing about Jesus now, when we are in Jesus, neither, let me put it this way, when we say we are not justified by our works, but in Christ, neither circumcision, now remember the context in which we are saying this, what would the reader of Galatians understand under neither circumcision or uncircumcision. Neither obedience to the law or disobedience to the law means anything to God. Man, that's a shocker. (laughs) Hallelujah. Even as I say it right now, I feel in my mind that is a shocker, but let me say it again. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, because circumcision was obeying to the law, neither circumcision... neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision avails anything means gets you anywhere. When we're in Christ neither your obedience to the law or your disobedience to the law gets you anywhere. So what it's actually saying obedience or disobedience the same thing. If you obey the law it means as little to God as what you disobey the law means to God. It means nothing. Now that is a shocker, and it, but it's the truth. It is the truth of God. If I have done everything right according to the law, you know what it means to God? Zippo, nothing, zero. It doesn't mean anything to God. What God is looking at is, do you... Believe on the God that justifies the ungodly, like I've explained. Do you have the faith that the centurion had that says, I am not worthy, but God will speak the word? Do you have the faith of the Seraphonician woman that says that uh, maybe I'm a dog, but God blesses dogs? I believe in the God that blesses the sinner. Do you have the faith of the man that was beating on his breast saying, Oh my God, I believe that you have mercy on me today. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Or do you have the faith that says, I've tithed my Lord, therefore I'm going to be blessed. i fasted twice like the guy in Luke 18. What type of faith do you have? Great faith or small faith? That's the whole thing. Faith, true faith says, don't say, I will go up into the heavens to bring the things down or I will, hum, I, I'm will. i going to go down into the earth to bring the Christ up. You cannot bring the anointing down or up in your life. Forget about it, please. And every teaching you've ever heard about, bring the anointing up and bring the anointing down by what you do for God. Let me tell you, throw it out the window. Forget about it. It's not the truth. Don't even think of it. Don't ponder about it. Just say one thing. Faith says this, that the Word of God is in my heart and in my mouth. For with the heart I believe unto righteousness. Believe means I rest my mind. With my belief system my mind comes to rest and that is unto righteousness. How do we believe unto righteousness? How do we with our hearts believe unto righteousness? We believe with our hearts in the God that justifies the ungodly that Jesus died for the sins of sinners so that when He was raised from the dead, He was raised for our justification. And now is my time of justification. I Maybe I'm a sinner, but God justifies me because of what Jesus has done. The moment you believe that, you are righteous with the righteousness of God according to Psalm 40.10. Amen. Man, you need to study this last couple of weeks of this. You know, in, in the when I, when I sit in the studio and people edit the stuff, and I listen to the Word of God, as as I preach, you know, I will hear a vessel here with something, he leaves with something, a net with something, and then as I hear the Word, it blesses me. Not because I preach it, but because of the Word. And then, you know, I don't want them to stop it and just to edit something out or... I just want to hear a little bit more, because it's good news. (laughs) You might say things, but that sounds vain. You listening to your own message. I've got good news for you. It's not my message. It's God's message. Hallelujah. Maybe through my mouth. But I don't care through whose mouth it comes. When it's God's message, it's good news. Amen. So don't be ashamed to preach to yourself. Don't be ashamed. Take this word and to share it with yourself. Don't be ashamed to, 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 to read something again and again, to write it and to read it back to yourself when you record your own voice, listen to it, whatever. I don't care what you do. It's not by what you do. It's about grace. Do you have the message of grace in your heart? And I know if you're in Web Church and you've been here for a while, man, you either, if you love grace, you'll stick with it. And if you don't like it, you will leave. But we don't want anybody to leave. We want you, please stay here. We want the grace of God to enter your heart, enter your life. And we want to see the life of God explode in you. Like I said, you know, you can see the face of somebody when he's heard grace. You can hear in his voice. You know, there's a, there's a guy from um, Australia, Piet. And a couple of months ago, uh, I spoke to him about a certain scripture and we shared. And, um, and in, in a month or two, two months I think it is, he he really got such a hold of grace. Oh, <laughs> hallelujah. He got such a hold of grace. And now, w- when I see the change in his life, his whole vocabulary changed. The the way, not that he was swearing and all, all of that, but he's talking about the grace of God. He's talking about the life of God. He's preaching it. He's sharing it. Like another man from Poch. Um, his name's Yuan. He said to me, Bertie, you know, I want the number of a certain preacher... Because um, the only man that preaches grace in our town is him. And he got a hold of grace a month or two ago as well. And he's preaching it because life has come to him. Because th- the revela- this revelation changes you. It brings you to a place where you want to share it. Now, if you've got this message of grace and you don't want to share it, man, don't be condemned. Just get more of it. Amen. You'll see the Word of God bearing fruit in you. Now, it says here, For neither, verse 13 again, For neither they, uh, Verse 14, sorry, Verse 15, For in Christ neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Now, verse 16 that I'm ending off with. And as many as walk according to this rule or principle. What rule or principle? The principle that says, Neither obedience to the law or disobedience to the law means anything. Or obedience to the law or disobedience in God's eyes is equal. But a new creation is what avails something in the eyes of God. They that walk according to this rule, peace be on them. Hallelujah. And mercy upon the Israel of God. Those who believe that, they are the Israel of God. Those who walk by that rule, what rule? The rule that. Neither obedience or disobedience to the law means anything to God. That means if I've been obedient to God, it counts as many points as what I've been. Not obedient to God, obedient to the law. There's a difference between obedience to God and obedience to the law. Um, One day I'll talk about obedience and explain it. (coughs) But, um, obedience to the law And if I have uh, uh, mis-said it previously, I I might have said obedience to God. I I didn't mean obedience to God. It's supposed to be obedience to the law. Obedience to the law and disobedience to the law counts the same point. That means if you've been obedient to the law, it means the same to God. It counts as much as disobedience. It means nothing. It's, It's just nothing. What means something is Are you recreated in Christ That means Are you in, in believing What Jesus has done for you Amen Do you believe That um, God justifies the ungodly If you believe that today It means something to God And then Unto you Peace Hallelujah Let's end off the last time Romans 5 Now this has just excited me so much Romans 5 Verse 425. It talks about Jesus, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know how many people don't have peace? Because they don't experience justification by faith. They don't believe that God justifies the ungodly, but that God blesses the obedient to Scriptures. God blesses the obedient, the obedient to the Gospel, the obedient to the message of grace, those who are faithful to the message of grace, like I said in the beginning of of the service. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to play out with that video clip that I've shown in the beginning. I would like you to enjoy this. And um, if you've got any prayer requests, just write to us. It would be wonderful. Write to us. We will, answer, we will definitely answer your email person. Well, I will not do it personally, but i will definitely going to read it and definitely going to pray about it and the secretary will write you a letter. Amen. But I will definitely personally pray over your request that you have and we will correspond with you. Amen. So, um, do that if you've got any prayer request. I would love to pray for you and I'm going to do a prayer right now and then we're going to play out with this video clip. Enjoy this. Remember the cell group afterwards. Amen. Father, I thank You that I can pray for people that has been watching me all over the world right now. Thank You, my God, that we can just pray, uh, uh, preach this message of grace over them. I pray that, that everybody that is sick will be healed right now from sickness in their body. Depression leaves people. Uh, a heart that's just broken down leaves people and they receive the peace of God right now. In Jesus' name, I speak God's peace over you. Amen. Hallelujah. Just enjoy this clip as we... Uh, end of this service.